Hey, welcome everyone. It's uh, we watched stuff. Uh, believe number eight. I don't have a computer, so I don't know for sure what show this is right now. Uh, so rough beginning of the show, but hey, why not? Hey, it's Jeremy on the other end of the phone this time. The Shahid, what's up, man? Uh, I'm doing fine. I do have a computer, but I don't feel like checking to see if you're correct or not. So we'll just go with this you know, show number eight. Yeah, I I hate doing these over the phone because they never sound good. Because cell phones basically aren't phones. They're, they're small computers that just happen to be able to have a microphone on them. Yeah, and, well, you know, most people kind of downplay talking quality, which is because most people don't really feel like talking to each other anymore. So. Yeah. Well, isn't the, like, the iPhone's rated like the worst actual phone? It's well, great I for everything else. Except, yeah. yeah. It sounds like when you actually talk, like we're talking in a can. Yeah, half, half mangled, so. Well, well, I guess we're not here to talk about phones, though. See? Segwaying segue straight on out of it. Um, we both saw Guardians of the Galaxy. We're both going to give our, our uh, thoughts on Sharknado to the next one. And, you know, the usual mischief, whatever we get into. So, I don't know. What do you want to start with? Um, I'll just start with the big, you know, the number one movie of America, not surprisingly, but surprised how much it made, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll let you go first. Well, no, that I, I don't know which one you're talking about, because last Wednesday, the hearts and minds of America were once again captured with a ridiculous amount of sharks being thrown around with no consequence, or we, or you're talking about Friday's opening, well, actually Thursday's opening, of Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Well, you want to, I mean, I would, normally I would say we can flip a coin, but who's going to see if it's heads or tails? Yeah, well, well let's, all right, let's just start with the old news first, especially since okay. you're watching it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't listened uh, Ken and Kevin did uh, OPA number. Well, no, actually, it wasn't an OPA number. It was just an OPA show doing a nearly live time review of Sharknado 2. And I know it's our site, um, but that was. It was really good. I listened to other podcasts that tried capturing. That tried capturing, you know, the funny or whatever. And they didn't do it. But Ken's laid-back style and Kevin's obliviousness just adds to how much better Sharknado 2 was. So after you're done listening to this, if you haven't gone there, fire up Sharknado 2 and download the podcast and listen to it while you're watching. It, it, it worked out fairly, very well. So uh, just a little props to them for doing a job well done. Uh what do you think of Sharknado 2? And I, I know that's like I know that's like a goofy question to ask, but you know what? You know, I was just you know like I knew what I was getting into because I watched some of those, like I don't watch all of them, but like I watched Mega Croc and you know still my favorite Shark the Puss, Eric Roberts trying to you know solemnly talk about how octopus and a shark could be the end of America, like I just has a warm place in my heart. And I heard the people making a big deal about Sharknado, but I didn't actually see it until this, like, recently, right before they showed the second one. So, like, I kind of heard, like, I saw bits and pieces with um, Aaron Ziering and, you know, I'm surprised she never got out for Oscar Tara Reeve. But, um, yeah, this one was just, it's kind of that whole, we're going to take the goofiness and just turn it up to a thousand. Like, they didn't give a rat's ass, and they played it perfectly. You know, you can say they had stunt casting, like seeing Matt Lauer and Al Roker and Biz Marquis and Judd Hirsch, and I didn't get to the part with Kurt Angle yet. But I mean, any, I mean, what can you say? You got movies. You know, you start off with a, people on a plane, and somebody has PTSD, and now you see a shark on the film, and you have the guy from Airplane dying within the first two minutes, so you kind of know what type of movie you're in, and Terry gets a hand bit off. So. And it worked because when we were watching the movie, we were having like a little like chat, like three or four of us watching it live, and it's just kind of just laughing at how ridiculous it was. 
I, yeah, I think that's what made this more enjoyable for me. Um, I I liked it just for how bad it was. You know, I, I, I don't want to sound negative. I didn't enjoy this one as much as the first one. Almost for everything you just said. This one was so much more self-aware. Like every, It seemed like everyone was in on the joke and in on the ridiculousness of it. Where the other one, they were just making a straight up, like home, like a straight to home or straight to TV movie. But they were still doing it in earnest. Where this one, it was, look, we've got to make this ridiculous. Um, we're just going to put in whatever we want. We're going to stunt cast. Where the other one, it was taken seriously. And I think that's what, that's what I think gave it its appeal, was how just utterly dumb it was. But for but on but on the uh, but on the level of being in, in all seriousness, and then Sharknado Two was as low as you can get. And I think what part of the fun was was being in that uh, little chat we were in, just goofing on the whole thing, and basically you know making it more entertaining than I thought it should have been. Actually, yeah, yeah, and. Um, I was just amazed, like, the fact, you know, because it was definitely more self-aware than the first one. But I'm like, I know everybody's in the group. How in the world did, you know, like, Kelly Ripa and Michael Strahan and Matt Lauer and Al Oka just agree to just, you know, put themselves in that movie? Like, I know Little K. Fox, she don't got nothing better to do. You know, it's not like Judd Hurst was knocking out. Like, Independence Day was a long time ago. And, you know, Mark McGrath... I was just still amazed at what happened to his damn face. And I know you're having a joke like, like his teeth as well. Yeah. And I know you were, you were enjoying like a cameo by Serena Venus Williams. Like that joke never got old. But some of the people they got, like, I guess they must have been fans of the first one. Like, why not? Like, you know, Matt Lauer is not broke. So, you know, he a semi, he's not like, you know, Tom Brokaw, but he's not a clown. So. That, like, some of the cameos were just funny, like, they actually got them. Some of them were just, you know, whatever, like, Jared, the subway guy. I mean, I didn't, whatever, I didn't care about that. I didn't even notice Andy Dick till I watched it again. Like, he made an appearance. Um, his marquee is showing up half stone as a pizza man. And just, you know, the one thing I joked about with everybody was it just seemed like this movie, they just knew what to do, you know, you know, most times, you know, um, horror movies happen. They're like, what are we going to do? I can't think. This one's like, oh, it's sharks happening. Everyone grabs bats. They grab knives. You know, as soon as they see a shark, like Fizz Marquis sees a shark land in his pizza parlor, he stabs it. They hit into a pizza oven, close the oven. Doesn't lose any sleep over it. Like, you know, Brad Pitt reflexes. And that part just got me that you just live in a world where, you know, if it's raining sharks, you know how to handle it for the most part. Now, they even said, like, I, I, I love the fact they didn't bother attempting to explain it. It just, you got into it. And I I guess this is, like, part of the ridiculousness I love. It just starts, and they're, they're just, uh, I guess they'd be an homage to old movies. You've got the black air marshal guy from Passenger 57, uh, Robert Hayes from Airplane, and then you've got the whole there's something on the wing from the Twilight Zone, both the show and the movie. The sharks just happened. Robert Hayes, Robert Hayes is the only, like, was one of the only guys that didn't get killed by a shark. He just got sucked out the window, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the cold pilot got killed by a shark and then opened up the top pit and he just got sucked out. Yeah. Lucky him, I guess. Uh, well, and now what was the, uh, oh, I, I just, and this is like the absurdity of it. I like how he just somehow knows how to land a plane. I mean, you just and, grab the, you grab the controls, you point down, and on the landing gear, that was like, what's the problem? You can, you can Google how to, how to land a plane on YouTube, I guess. Yeah, it, it was just so weird. <laughs> I, I know that's what it is in every movie. But it's at the same time, it's like, really? Uh, there's a whole lot more to that. 
Yeah, but any, like I said, I thought about that too, but I was just still trapped over the whole part, like Terry talking about that shark recognized me. I recognized the scar on his on her on his face, and he came after me when he did. Yeah, which is straight off. out of Jaws four. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was at one point. I was I was even keeping track of all the movies that they were referencing, and then I just got lost because there were so many. Uh, I don't know. I I had a really good time watching the movie, but I, I don't. I'm trying to figure out if it was watching the movie and just going through total release, like just deal with it. You're you're watching a movie about Sharknados. And it, oh, yeah, and to answer your question, mm-hmm. well, I guess go to go back to, and to answer your question about the Matt Lauer stuff, all of these network shows want to be attached to some sort of, uh, they want to be attached to some sort of event. So they, you know, so they come off looking cool and hip. So I get the feeling that's exactly why, like, Kelly Ripa and Michael Strahan, I mean, Strahan even got to fight a shark in the studio. I mean, how cool was that? And then Lauer and uh, Roker got to stab one to death. So, you know, so it gives them something to talk spoiler, about. And, you should have put spoiler alert. I might have got to that part right now. <laughs> but I guess there's no point from, like, his type of movie that name I'll spoil it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that is a good point because it's kind of like, and to, you know, bounce off what you were talking about. A type of movie like this, it's kind of like you watch it with your friends, you crack jokes about it, you don't really take it too seriously. And it's kind of like, like you enjoy it in a group. The world is just ringing my doorbell. Don't they know I'm doing a podcast? You can ask if they want to be on it. Hey, what's up? <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't think I would enjoy it as much, like, watching it by myself because when I tried to watch the rest of it, I, I fell asleep twice. So I've been trying to watch the second half of it for, like, a week. So. Well, okay. I mean, obviously the movie's ridiculous, but every movie, regardless, has to have some sort of flow to it. And that beginning segment was 20 minutes, I believe, unedited, like, uh, without commercial interruption, I mean. That second half, the second hour, there was a commercial break every ten minutes. Yeah, it, it just totally killed it, and I, I couldn't believe it's like you know you couldn't. I mean, I, I suppose they want to get all the advertisers all the way, but I was like, there had to have been a better way to do that. That was just awful. And because at the end, it got to the end, and they went to a commercial. I'm like, they've only got six minutes left to wrap this up. And all of a sudden, there's Ian Ziering, or, or uh, Finn, which I never caught on, you know, Finn, Shark Finn. Uh, he's, riding two, he's riding a shark down out of a, out of a shark NATO. I was like, you know what? With everything else that's gone on in this movie, that's the most believable part. That he'd just be able to get on this thing, have it impale itself, and he could just slide into Tara Reed's arms again. Or Arma, yeah. I should say. Yeah, well, like I said, it's more believable than him and Bill K. Fox having chemistry. So What was that? I didn't get... There were a few things I didn't understand, and this actually will move over into the Gardens of the Galaxy, too, in a bit. Mm-hmm. So were they just old high school people that were getting it on? Yeah, I think it's kind of like they, he, he had a crush on, like, they had a crush on each other back in high school, and I guess she remembered it a lot more than he did because, you know, the first thing they do when they meet up is, you know, something I meant to give you for blah, blah, blah years, and she just throw one on them. And I guess she's been keeping up with him because, like, oh, I thought it was okay because aren't you divorced? So it's kind of like, yeah, she's been keeping tab for, like, a high school crush. Well, you know, he... You know, he's a celebrity, regardless if he wanted it to or not. But, I mean, the real brains behind the operation, which Kevin and Ken pointed out very astutely, is that Tara Reid is the actual, you know, she wrote the book. She's the brains of them. That doesn't even sound right. The idea of reading a book she wrote is actually very intriguing. I would would 
totally read a book Tara Reid wrote. Yeah. If it's not behind the scenes of Paradise, I think I will pass. No, I would, whatever it is, I would read it. If she wrote, especially if it was like historical fiction or something, it would be so great. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, not not to be like a dead horse or whatever, but it was just, it was what it was, you know. Goofy yeah. shit. Everyone knew it was going to be bad. I just I just wish it was a little less tongue-in-cheek. That's all. Yeah, I just, yeah but I mean... Little, little, little less I, self-aware. I get you, but at this point, it's kind of like that shit kind of sell with sci-fi movies when they have three-headed sharks and yeah. shark versus crocodile and everything. And it, it was hilarious. I was just reading an article, Tara Reid, and she was saying how she thought when the first Sharknado came out, it was going to ruin her career. That's why she didn't put in, like, promotion to it and everything. Because I guess it was originally called, like, Dark Skies or Dark yeah. Waters. And then they changed the name. She's like, this will be the death metal. And I'm like, what career? <laughs> That's what I was saying. What is, I read that same thing. I was like, what does she have going on at the time? Like, I know, like, I know they're doing another American Pie movie, but it's not like she's a star of those. So it's kind of like... She don't got a lot on her plate besides, you know, recovering over bad plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah. when that's your claim to fame, you 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 don't have anything going on. So, yeah, that I, that was pretty damn good. I, I actually thought she was going to die in this one just because of how much of a pain in the ass she was. But instead, but instead they killed, it was like, it was like 2012 where the whole movie, you think John Cusack is going to die and he should have. Mm-hmm. They kill all the likable people on stage. Yeah, but then like the the stand up like stepfather figure, he dies instead. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I didn't like. I remember that movie, and it's like him and the pilot was like people. I kind of like, yeah, they the wrong one died. Especially especially the stepfather, because like you know, John Cusack was being a dick the whole movie. This guy's been thinking on his feet, you know, trying to meet him halfway, being a hero. And he dies, like, right near the end. So, yeah. It, yeah, and that was, well, I, I hated that movie anyways. But, yeah. Like, it almost seems, I guess 2012 is a decent, decent comparison to these. Like, 2012 was a serious movie that was bad. And there were just laughably bad parts about it. And that's kind of what Sharknado on a much grander scale was. Well, then Sharknado 2... Like, okay, they still had the really poor production values of where it's sun, sun, yeah, excuse me, sunshine and one piece. They go to the crowd shot. It's, like, dark as hell. They go back to the crowd, and uh, they go back to the game, and it's sunny again. But then it's cloudy. Then it's sunny. And then all of a sudden, Richard Kind is hitting a shark with a baseball bat, just like the natural. This <laughs> is you, Dad. <laughs> that he wasn't even a callback character to the first one. That literally had nothing to do with the entire movie. Yeah, he got a flashback and everything. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like I like I know I'm not actually the first one, but like this little minor character is getting a lot of screen time for a TV movie. That's exactly well, that's what I was thinking. Like, and Judah Prelanders is hamming it up with him, and I'm like, all right, so I guess this guy's going to, like, go with him, and whenever a shark comes flying at him, he'll be able to hit him with a bat or something. But instead, he just stays in the stadium. That's it. I just like the way he swatted the thing all the way, and not even, like, to, to right or left, dead center field. And hits the city sign and all that. I mean, how great mm-hmm. was that? And the apple <laughs> rises up and everything. Like I said, it was just perfect. Yeah, I, that, that like more absurd stuff like that, I would have liked. But you know, I mean, what can you fit in? But yeah, I yeah, guess then, the best way to compare is kind of like how you were talking about like machete and machete kills. Like machete kind of played it a lot more straightforward for the most part. 
compared to the second one. Like Machete Kills was kind of like completely over the top. The first one was kind of, I mean, it was like a it was an exploitation movie, but it was kind of like you know straightforward for the most part with a little twins here and there of like you know goofy stuff. The second one was just completely over the top. I guess this one was kind of like that, but the enjoyment level was different. But I mean, how straight can you play uh, Tornado with Sharks? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm not making a big complaint about it. That's why I said yeah. I still enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to listen to uh, Paul Shearer, uh, uh, Kevin from Oh, How Did This Get Made podcast, mm-hmm. and they wanted everything explained. They, I mean, it, it, I turned it off because they just—you can't take these movies literal. Yeah. I mean, the idea itself is ridiculous. So if you accept the premise, then everything happens. If you don't accept yeah. it, it's kind of like Snowpiercer. If you don't accept the premise, then forget it. You know, the the laws of physics no longer apply. And so, I, and I listen to that Black podcast, too, and, like, some episodes I kind of turn off because they kind of get caught up in that. And I'm like, there is no, you know how we always say suspend disbelief. It's a hurricane with sharks. There's no way in any type of physical, scientific way that that would exist whatsoever. So why are you worried about explanations? Like, come on now. It's, it's yeah. a hurricane with sharks. It's not global warming. It's not an asteroid hitting. It's not something that could, you know, may happen theoretically. It's, like I said, it's water and it's sharks. And then, like, the second one they explain, you know, we have a southerly shark wind coming up the eastern seaboard, and that's where the shark's coming from. They kind of knew what happened in Los Angeles, and it's kind of like, we've seen it before, stay in your home. Yeah, that's explanation enough for me when it comes to a movie like that. I don't need the in-depth, how does it go, was it global warming, any of that nonsense. Come on. Yeah, well, and I, Kevin and Ken touched on it, but these sharks are flying in air. There's no water anymore. They'd be dead almost immediately. And never mind getting thrown around. They wouldn't be worried about biting people. Yeah. You know, so they would it, drown. drown. Like they would, they would basically suffocate because they didn't have any, they didn't have any, you know, oxygen. Yeah, they sure and as hell the- would, wouldn't be coming at you. So, I, I don't know. I was a little disappointed because I heard that the screener copies of Shark the Sharktopus. Oh, blew my line here, but that in Sharknado 2, all the screener copies did not have the ending on it. They kept it a secret. So I was expecting a much larger ending to this. With like, that's why I think I put in the thread we were in. I said I mentioned Sharktopus or Crocosaur or whatever. I don't think the end justified. I was like, okay, that's the end. Well, that's for part three. Oh, yeah, and it'll be out next year already. So, yeah, yeah but I mean, I mean if, you're Ian, if you're Ian Deering in them, hey, God bless you, man. Oh, you were Steve. So, Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to wrap up, but I'm glad you mentioned that again. When did he, when did he uh, film this role? Because his head was gigantic. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at that now. It's like, I know wrestlers normally, like, the way their head's and neck built, it looks funny, but he looks like a damn alien. Mm-hmm. And then he's putting on that ridiculous New York accent, which it was barely noticeable. It was definitely noticeable, but it was just so bad that it was like, Oh, okay. Why did he have to have a New York accent? He's not the greatest. I I guess he wanted to do the method (laughs) acting. All right. But yeah, when Kurt Angle says, you know, Freon won't work, who am I to argue with Kurt Angle? I don't know, especially especially with a badge. Yeah, but like I said, enough of that. Let's move on to the main event. Yeah, let's go to the main event. And something I enjoyed for all the right reasons. Uh, I think you did, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the big big movie this week, Guardians of the Galaxy, made $93.5 million just here. Uh, that's pretty crazy for 
a movie with a bunch of relatively unknowns, not unknowns, but, you know, low-level D celebrities. That's, I'll just say this. If you just talked about a five, you know, I know Marvel had to touch a goal, but it's kind of like you have the guy from the Lego movie, you got Zoe Saldana, you have Batista, Bradley Cooper as a talking raccoon, and Vin Diesel as a tree that says four words. And that movie would have the third highest opening of the damn year. I'm like, I know Marvel's Marvel, but I would have thought, I mean, come on now. Like, even Marvel has its limits. And this movie was, I didn't, this is like the, one of the first comic movies where I didn't really know anything about any of the characters for the most part. And it was unnecessary. Like, it was just, it reminded me of Star Wars. It was just a fun, enjoyable-ass movie. Like, that's the best well, way to say it. Like, it, was just, it was just good. Yeah, this is going to be boring because I was going to say all of the exact same thing. I didn't really have any preconceived notions. I know very little to anything about all the characters. So I think that's why, and I, even a few days later now, this is this is my favorite Marvel movie. I And I think, for me personally, and I think that's because of that exact fact, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Besides thinking a, a, ra- a raccoon that shoots guns is pretty cool. That was it. So when the movie started, you're exactly right. It started off. It started off like a, like an old good George Lucas movie. Uh, well, outside of the absolutely beautiful mother with cancer, uh, having just gone through that a few years ago with my mom, uh, that's not what you look like. So. I'm not sure why they that that was the choice, but I guess you don't want to show too much emotional distress. Uh, but after that, it picks up spaceships, new world, like a, uh, a swashbuckling hero or anti-hero in this case, and it just took off from there. And it was well paced. There was everything was strong about it. Yeah, there was that, like they didn't. They didn't Right. They didn't waste time like a lot of movies, you know, with origin story. I find like you had your little three minutes there with, you know, Star-Lord. And after that, it's kind of like you jump into it. Like they expect the audience to like, you know, you can keep up with everything like that. But you don't need to know who the Kree are, who these guys are. It's kind of like, you know, these guys are the good guys. You know, these guys are the bad guys. And they're chasing this. And it's kind of like, because I remember watching the original Star Wars. They didn't make a big deal explaining, you know, background of everything. They just put you there and you, you watch the movie and enjoy it. Yeah, Star Wars had all the Star Wars movies. Had the scroller. There you go. And just pay attention and figure out who's who. I I don't know. That's, I, I think that's why this was so enjoyable. And like everyone had like, I mean it was kind of it wasn't exposition heavy, but the exposition you had to listen there was no throwaway dialogue for for a lot of the characters. Like Drax, hey, uh, I almost said Thanos. Um, Ronan, killed my killed my wife and kids. What's her name? Uh, Gamora. Hey, I was I was gonna betray him. Rocket, hey, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be torn apart. Groot, well, whatever. And and Star Lord, you saw. That's it. That's the perfect. It, this was basically an origin story, but whatever. It, but it, it didn't. It wasn't heavy-handed. Like, okay, for the first forty-five minutes, this guy's going to be in a cave, and he's going to build a suit, so you know why we call him Iron Man. Or, well, hey, there's, here's a war on this ship. Here's a war on our planet as it's blowing up. We're going to put the kid in the rocket and shoot him off into space for a half hour. That's almost. That's the, the complaint with, like, most comic movies, like, the few that avoided, like, Blade. That's one reason I like Blade so much. It's kind of, like, it avoided that, too. They threw Blade in there, and you don't really hear about his force until, like, halfway through the movie. And then they spend five minutes going through it, and then that's it. You have to see him training and all that stuff. It's kind of, I mean, I get the point why you do it as part of the movie, but sometimes it's start the damn movie. I don't need to learn how Drax became Drax, he told me. That's mm-hmm. enough. There's too much, you know, there's too much stuff going on as it is to waste time with stuff like that. And if the characters are strong, I don't need it anyway. And I think that's the best thing about the movie was 
they know all five characters. It's kind of like, you know, Star Wars with two, you know, with no Luke Skywalker because it's basically like um, Chris Pratt was Han Solo, but Rocket Raccoon was Han Solo, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Uh, now, let's, all right. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, like, which ways to go with this. Um, I mean, I'll go with something I brought up. How everything was, it was very fluid. There was no wasted scenes in the movie. The only one that I thought, if you're going to, you could say it's a wasted scene. The whole point where they're inside the head of the celestial uh, nowhere, and they're nowhere, and Chris Pratt starts, or Star-Lord starts getting on Gamora. And then him saying, no, 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 it's not like that. I thought that was really odd. Because it, it was never gone back to. So I was confused. Is, it, is that him trying to get on her? Or was this supposed to be like uh, a character development moment that seemingly came totally out of the blue? I guess it's probably more like character more development more than anything. Because um, I do remember that part. But I didn't like that whole that whole dynamic was funny because it's kind of like they led, even like it's the you know usual archetype you know the rogue anti-hero and the cold-hearted you know assassin get together, but they kind of played around with it because she like she knew he was like an asshole, and she kept going to it you know more than once throughout the movie, but it kind of grew besides that part grew organic. Like by the time it ended, it's kind of like you can see why they did it together. You can see why they were you know rogue. As a team, but wasn't all like you know, mushy, lovey dovey, and all that stuff. Yeah, I just, yeah, it just seems like that could. I don't know. They seemingly had a plan to make a sequel, regardless, but it just seems like it was unnecessary. You know, just them getting along. You know, we had the kind of heavy-handed part with them getting. You know, we're a team at the end and all this stuff. So that part just didn't seem necessary. And it didn't, I mean, because it didn't lead to, like, a distrust. I liked, I liked her line about how his, what's his magic, what was his magic pelvis or something? Oh, pelvic, pelvic sorcery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bringing that up, I'm getting pretty good at this. This movie was legitimately funny. Without, yeah. like, now, obviously, they tried to be funny. You know, that's where they, how they wrote it. But it wasn't, like, heavy-handed, like, just, like, hawk shit that a lot of movies do to get a laugh out of you. Yeah, like, it was natural funny. Like, I was comparing it, like, it's kind of like Iron Man 3 was funny, but they made an effort for it to be funny. It's kind of like, you know, like, you put a lot of effort into it. And it was funny, but you, like, it took a lot to get there. This movie was just, like, Move and like everybody was humorous, but it didn't seem like you know they had to try hard, and they all had a different humor, you know. And especially between Batista and um, Bradley Cooper, like I gotta talk about Batista. He doesn't ever have to wrestle again, and I wouldn't lose any sleep over because he was just perfect for that role. And I know when they were trying to cast it, I think like Jason Momoa and somebody else was up for it. And what was the line? Oh. I remember the line where everyone died in the movie when they were talking about they don't understand, I guess, what, what was it, irony or satire? It was something. And he was like, you know, this nothing goes over my head. I have very quick reflexes. <laughs> I just because I like, it was just so perfectly done. Like, he just said the line perfectly, and it just fit. He was just, you know, Mr. Literal. Yeah. And, well, yeah, he didn't understand metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. And that was... Well, that was the the line that killed the theater was it was the you know they're making their plan the twelve percent of a plan thing, and he's explaining all this, and uh, Drax Drax slash Batista goes that's a stupid plan, and he goes and he comes back and he's like he's like if you do this he's like I literally just explained that entire thing. I just explained all of it, he's like you weren't listening, he's like I was too listening he's like. I just explained all of this. He's like, I, I, and he goes, well, I, I wasn't, I was listening. I wasn't paying attention to your stupid plan or something. <laughs> he was making an excuse for not paying attention. And it, it just killed. 
man, you know, I guess having a guy like that, and, you know, they kind of got around it at the end where it's like, all right, I'm going to try a metaphor. Like, ugh. Like, th- there were some of those things that were kind of cringeworthy. Like, you don't need them to, like, change all of a sudden, which I I'm mean, sure is what I know you get on that because you're old curmudgeon, but it kind of, you know, I think it fits with the part of the movie like they're uh, they're better off by the end than they were in the beginning, and you got to kind of show it somehow. You don't want them to be like dickheads before and dickheads after because, like, where's the character growth at? Well, see, I think just having them fight together as a team the way they did at the end, that is pretty much all you need to know. And I, I, I didn't mind, like, the I'm fighting with my friends thing and all that. Because it's, that that's an actual, like, you know, the characters, they are changing. And he was also a very, like, prideful warrior, so he kind of had to swallow it. But, like, him trying to do a metaphor, like, they said their cultures don't understand metaphors. So it, does, it didn't make much sense for him to try one there. And really, if you're going to have another one, you don't have to rush everything into one movie. Unless they didn't know, you know, they... Unless they didn't know what they were getting with the finished product, and they were like, "Screw it, put everything into this that we need uh, to right now," you know, I wouldn't go that far because I think they kind of figured, especially when they finished and they screened it for everybody, how well, you know, how well got reviewed. Because I think the sequel got announced based on reviews from people from pre-screening. Um, I just think it's just natural, you know, like he only had one. It's not like he was in there turned like Eddie Murphy by the end of the movie, anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. one metaphor, oh, no, not, exactly. I know you are curmudging about that. Like, like one, is, one is fine because it kind of shows some type of growth. Um, the one that gets me about the whole thing is like Bradley Cooper. I didn't, all, that role was awesome, but it didn't sound like, like the whole time, he sounded, he didn't sound like Bradley Cooper. Like, he had the humor and everything like that, but that voice was just, it wasn't wrong, it just didn't sound like him. But it sounded like he was talking yeah, to a different voice. It sounded like somebody completely different. Yes. So, so Marvel hired Bradley Cooper to voice a character that he changed his voice for. <laughs> That's the dumbest casting. It saves some pennies. Just get, like, some voice actor. But I, I guess maybe that's how they thought they had to sell. Because look at this movie on the surface. And now that it's done big business and got rave reviews, but... Try convincing uh, Disney, who owns Marvel, so you're the studio head for Marvel, you have to go to the big boys at Disney and go, all right, we need millions of dollars for something no one's ever heard of. We're calling it something straight out of the 70s, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, by the way, we're going to make fun of that in the script. But then the characters are a guy from Earth, but we're never going to call him an Earthling. Uh, what was it? What were what was Earth called? Terra. Yeah, um, a, a green skin chick, but she's not Hulk Junior or Hulk She Hulk or anything like that. Um, played by a girl that was in Avatar. Remember that one? Yeah, mm-hmm. no one remembers who was in that. Um, a, a pro wrestler. We're, uh, we're going to cast a pro wrestler as a homicidal maniac, which Who's they really kind of. Yeah, and Basically. then uh, oh, and then two. Two character, uh, two CGI characters that are going to really hurt the budget, and one only says one phrase until the end, and the other one a ra- is a raccoon. Now we need a hundred million dollars for this movie. That's a gigantic risk. A hundred and seventy-five million. And that's you know what? Normally, I would really? say that's a, a a super risk, but I'm like, it's Marvel, and I have seen them. You know, I've seen Ben Kingsley. Anthony Hopkins. I'm like, by, when we when they cast Robert Redford in the Winter Soldier, I'm like, you know what? All bets are off. There's nobody that Marvel. Like if Denzel showed up in you know in a an Avengers three movie, I wouldn't be surprised. It's like it's nothing Marvel can do casting wise that's surprising at this point. Because it's kind of like you know, I'm the big kid with a blank check, and I'm going to do things my way, and I can do whatever I want, and I can get all these actors to come in. That want to play, in, you know, because like if you do one of these movies and you notice, well, you 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 straight for the most part. Like you see, like how Chris Hemsworth's career is, like you know, once he did Thor, he's kind of been like he's been working, and I think Chris Pratt is going to definitely get a lot more roles after this if he wants it, because 
I never, you know, I know he was on Parks and Recreation. I don't watch that show. I remember him from the Lego movie. He was funny. But just watching him, he fit. Like, he just seemed like a leading actor and everything like that. And I'm like, that's a role that they could have, like, if they put Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt or something like that, that role could have easily went south. Yeah, really. and as soon as you said his name, I, my first thought was too smug. Yep. He would have been way too smug for something like that. And, so, and yeah. I think that's just Marvel's key is, like, for the most part, they do not mess up when it comes to cast because it's real. And I know it's like, oh, it's easy to get like that. I'm like, it's real easy to mess up cast. Like, just because somebody's a big name doesn't mean that they fit the role. And especially with a movie like this where it's not it's not a known kind. Like, the only characters I really knew from that was Gamora and Thanos. And I knew Thanos from, from video games. I knew Gamora just from, I don't know how, but the rest of them, like, I don't know who half these people are. But they passed it well enough where it fit, like, Michael Rucker running around. Like, he was just awesome, and that, that could have been easily a throwaway role. And it was just enjoyable because he, he made the role enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And especially, and, you, know, you know, like, he's this scoundrel and everything like that, and you see him playing around with this, I guess, this whistle knife or whatever it is. Yeah, like an arrow. Like, you know, like the whole movie thing, if they see him showing off something special or some, something cool, it has to be a payoff right in the movie. And the payoff was awesome. Yeah. So. Now, there was there was one, oh, I, I shouldn't even mention it because I can't remember it. But there was a line in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and they, I can't remember what it was. I'd have to see it again, so it's kind of stupid to even bring up, but there was a definite mention of something, and I went, oh, well, that's definitely going to play into the end now, and it never did, and I was like, that is so cool, because I, I, to nothing, I just don't like the, the obvious, like, hey, we're going to hit you over the head with a hammer, pay attention to this line, pay attention to this line, pay, like, put blinking lights on the screen and arrows at the, the mouth or something, I was like, you don't need to do that. It, it, it always reminds me of the old Bugs Bunny or like Hanna Barbera Warner Brothers cartoons. Whenever you could tell it wasn't a matte background because something was different, was like a lighter shade of green or blue, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like that block moves or that clock opens up. That's what that's like that kind of dialogue is to me, basically. And for the most part, they avoided that, which I thought was pretty refreshing. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you're right. Too much. It was just so much stuff going on. It kind of like it's best to avoid, like because where you, the only time they kind of pointed to stuff was kind of like the whole stuff of Benicio del Toro, where I need a fur coat like that. That's, he must enjoy just playing dress up because that's I think that one scene kind of was this. Here's how this movie fits with the Marvel universe because it's basically explaining you know the Infinity Gem and the Tesseract and the Aether and everything like that. And it's like okay, this is how it's connected. Because other than that, it really has no connection to anything that's going on. And it kind of leads to the one problem I do have, and it's not just this movie, it's Marvel movies in general, like besides Loki and, like, the Winter Soldier. The villain is never important, you know, like, no matter who they cast. And it's not the actor's fault. It's kind of like people watch the movies for the story. Like, the villain could be anyway. And, like, like Lee Pace was fine, you know, He's a perfect villain because he enunciates everything. You know, he's a man of conviction and everything like that. But it's kind of like Thanos is there. So, and he has his shadow. Like, I don't care what Lee Pace does getting the jewel and everything like that. I see Thanos, and I know Thanos. And it's kind of like he's on, like, a whole different level of, like, you know, villainy. So it's like, you know, get this. It's almost like if the Joker had a sidekick when they did a Batman movie. Like if Harley Quinn, like if Harley Quinn was like the main villain of a Batman, like no matter how you, how big you make out to be, I know the joke is waiting around. So it's like you know, get this joke out the way, more or less. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right. And when you said that the main villains don't matter, I'm even thinking Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier didn't matter that much. It's not that he didn't matter. I know yeah. he didn't matter, but it's just how they played it. Like he was whenever he came on the screen. He seemed like a like he just beat everybody's ass. Like first time you yeah. see him, he almost killed Nick Fury. 
every time he fought Captain America, he beat his ass. He fought Black Widow, almost killed her. Like, they made him into, you know, like, credit. Like, when he came on the screen, and it's just a guy with a metal arm and a gun. But when he came on the screen, you knew he's a big deal. Like, watching Iron Man, I never, yeah, like, Iron Man, Jeff Bridges was just, and Mickey Rourke, like, I've never seen, like, they were, like, threatening. And even with um, Iron Man 3, like, they tried to, you know, the whole bait and switch with Ben Kingsley, that was fine, but Guy Pierce is kind of like, okay, he, he melts stuff. But he never seemed, like, threatening. Like, besides really Loki, it's always been, like, the, you know, disposable villains, like, they're just, they're there for somebody to fight, more or less. Right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I've read that other criticism, too, um, for different reasons than yours, but, yeah. Uh, one I read, and the more that I start read it, the more I think about it. Is you know the the villain is just there with like some giant uh, like universe destroying thing. Like that that's all the villains are. They're not even you know uh, there's no there's no solid goal. Like all all what did they want to do? Uh, Ronan all he wanted to do was destroy the planet, just one planet. Yeah, and that's it. And it's like well. Is he going to go away after this? I'm confused. But uh, going back to Benicio Del Toro, um, it was funny because Elise did not remember him. She's like, who's this guy? And I was like, remember after the after the credits of Thor, the second one? And she goes, barely. I was like, he's the one that they gave the Tesseract to. Wait, yeah, he got the Tesseract, right? He got the Tesseract. He got the Tesseract from somebody else. They gave him the Aether. So, okay. I was wrong in that, but, but not that she cares. But she didn't remember him. And it's it's just kind of weird to see a, a villain. Well, I don't even know if he's really a villain. Just a, a side character like that, you know, get, gets his little moment. And then he becomes like an integral part in a bigger movie. So that was interesting. Um and I guess real quick, uh, since we're speaking of Benicio and kind of why I brought him up again, how did you like the uh, the uh, after credits theme? Man, talk about random as hell. I, I didn't know what to expect because I didn't read any spoilers, and I'm like, is it going to lead into the Avengers or anything like that? And then you just see Howard the Duck pop up. and I'm How just cool like, was that? It was the original it was cool Howard cause the it, Duck. It, yeah, because like, it makes sense. But it's like, what the, like, what the hell? That's the first thing I came. Like, I just looked, I just shook my head and just laughed. Like, because it made sense for the story. And it's just like a wink to, you know, history. It's like, that. like he's a Marvel character. That's somebody that would be there. But I'm like, it's at this point, it's like, Marvel could just do whatever the hell they want at this point. It's kind of like, I'm, you know, the whole line in Dark Knight Rise, like, now you're just showing off. At that point, it's like, you know, now you're just showing off. Like okay, yeah. we we get it. You know, we get it. You you know what you're doing. You can put almost anything out out there and make money at this point. Well, I think. Well, I remember turning into at least during the credits, like when the credits were rolling. I'm like, so the they killed the collector off just like that. And she goes, I. She was like, well, they never showed him die, and the other people survived it. I'm like, I guess, but that was seemed kind of final. And that's all that end credit scene was, was just to show you he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, while we're in here, screw it. And I did like that uh, the Russian cosmonaut dog was still alive. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, just in general, and then also just after that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how boring would that scene have been if the dog would have just come up and licked him? Yeah, that would have been like, kind of like that whole shawarma scene in Avengers, kind of like you know, payoff exactly. joke that didn't need a, that didn't need a payoff. So, but the jump yeah. back, the whole villain thing with Thanos. Here's my, and I always run into this problem when you talk about space villains. It's not really the movie's fault; it's just comics' fault. Once you get to a certain scale, it's kind of like, and I always this is my whole problem with Thanos because I remember reading a lot about him and like that. He should never lose. Like ever, like you can, I can see how Magneto can lose. I can see how the Joker can lose. I can see how Loki can lose. But once you get to like a certain extent, like if you, even without Infinity Gauntlet, like if you can like destroy a planet by yourself and you know, you roll with death and you kill billions of people, how the hell are you losing to the Avengers? 
I'm like, and it, and it's always they played it off like you know his main thing was he doesn't he lacks conviction, like you know he doesn't believe that he'll win, so he finds a way to lose, and that's kind of like you know that's a jackass reason to, for somebody to lose. And I'm like, if they they made a big deal of how powerful these gems are, if he has all of them. I don't I don't give a damn what Thor does and what device, you know, Iron Man comes up with. It's no and I always think and I I never try to play that whole role like, you know, oh, this such and such and lose because at the end of the day it's just a movie in comic books. But when you make somebody like out to be like a, a universe killer, some guy with a shield doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. Yeah. Well, they at least in the movies they've never given you an indication of how big of a threat Thanos is. Yeah. They did a little. You know, bit they said he was like, powerful, yeah. but so they can. Nope. You know, it, they can. I guess they can make, The one thing I like is that they everybody showed fear. Like you know, Ronan was a badass, things like that. But as soon as Thanos came up, you know, it's kind of like I'm trying carefully. So it's kind of like you know, by rep, they don't show how powerful he is, but like by reputation, it's like you know, Loki don't want to go there. You know, Ronan only you know I guess mans up when he has that Infinity Gem. But other than that, it's kind of like, you know, don't mess with this guy. You know who he is. Like, yeah. uns- like unspoken villainy. So I guess that they can kind of, you know, depower him to make him fit the story. Because it's more like, you know, he has like that Kaiser Soze reputation more than anything. Like, you haven't seen his power. You just know everyone talks about him. It's kind of like, you know, you tread carefully around his people, around around him. And I'm just, Josh Brolin was an interesting choice for it because I wouldn't have picked him for that. But... I would have picked half the people they picked for these movies. So, like, Digimon Hansu, John C. Riley, just, you know, Glenn Close being Miss Mars Attacks again. It's just, like, the whole like the whole casting for that movie was just amazing because you're asking these people to play these roles no one heard of. And it's not like these are just, like, you know, regular old people. Like, the supporting actors are more famous than the main actors in a lot of these cases. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it fit. You know, like, I know more people probably know who John C. Riley and Glenn Close and definitely like Benicio Del Toro is, and even, like, Karen Gillum, if you watch Doctor Who. Like, how many people know who Batista is? Like, you, yeah. you know who Vin Diesel is, but he's there playing a tree. And it's, and that role is amazing because it's like, I know, I'm, I know it's a tree. And I know trees can't do what he does in the movie. And trees can't talk. And trees can't fight. But it just, I was never pulled out of the movie. Like, it just seemed believable. And, like, I don't know how they did the CGI. When I saw that tree, I saw Mindy's or the tree. And it just fit. And I had, and I never questioned it. I was just, like, this is just amazing. The only time I questioned it, like, this is just amazing. You know, how it fits. Like, I'm watching this happen. And I can believe it's been these or the talking tree, and I don't have yeah. any time believing this. Like even more, it's like a raccoon with a gun that's getting mad at everybody calling him a damn pet. And I'll be pissed off too. Like I'm this, you know, I'm this engineer that's been tortured and genetically engineered, and people, you know, they think I'm just a, a damn space gerbil. Yeah. Like no, I'm not. I'm not a pet. Yeah, and that I think that's always a credit to. Whatever CGI, whatever company works on the CGI for these, it's always a credit to you. If I'm watching a, a, a walking, a walking upright, talking raccoon wearing a spacesuit, shooting guns, cracking wise, and I never once stop to go, you're watching a raccoon standing upright, talking, cracking wise, shooting guns with his tree companion that you've never really questioned, like, well, wait a minute. You, you, whenever you get lost in CGI, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And I know, like, the, I think, in comparison, like, Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry, not Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, the first one, everybody looks CGI, and it just totally takes you out of it. Yeah. Where in this one, yeah. it was just, it yeah. just enhanced, and I, and I never found myself questioning it. I, d- I just went with it, and it was cool. So And it's funny, like, you brought that up, because I, I saw um, Planet of the Apes the weekend before, 
And that scene, mm-hmm. like, that was probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. And it's like, I'm seeing a monkey on a horse with a machine gun, and I never question it. Like, it's just amazing. Like, uh, Andy Circus is a genius, and whatever technology they use is just... There's nowhere in the world that movies, like, those type of things should make sense. And people complain about The Hobbit, because, like, The Lord of the Rings was, like, practical effects. And you, you watch the um, appendices and, like, you know... We made 5,000 stores with engravings, and we sold the uniform. Like, they showed pride in how real most of the stuff was. And, like, the hobby was kind of like, you know, it was people complaining about CGI. And I think the part was just Peter Jackson really didn't want to do the movie. It's kind of like he had to. And everybody's kind of talking like, you know, we got to do this movie, and we don't really feel like it, but we'll do the best we can. And it's like, you know, I don't have time to sell 50,000 uni- 50, uniforms again. So, you know, boot up the computer. And, like, this one is kind of like, they, I guess you had that. You, a movie, like all those space movies, yeah, you, you know, your budget has to be high and you have to nail it to Because if you're not going to go practical, like the old Star Wars, then you got to go real well your CGI. Because otherwise, you don't like the new Star Wars. kind of like this beating you over the head with how thick it is. Like, there's a balance, and we always talk about that, like, you know, how far to go where you can still believe it and not think you're watching a video game. Oh, well, yeah, the video game thing is always an apt uh, comparison. And there were some parts in this one that were little like that, but whatever comes to space in that, I just sit there and say, well, I don't know what it looks like in other parts of it in space, or galaxy, universe, whatever. So I'm not going to say anything. Like, there were some questionable parts about how they're able to breathe everywhere, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I don't know. I think just to wrap up, wrap the show up, this is the first Marvel movie that didn't directly tie in with the other ones outside of The Collector, I suppose. Like, there was no... There was no... Uh, moment at the end of the movie or after the credits where you went, oh, next one. It was just, that's our movie. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, 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 I'm like dumb producer Kevin Faye say, like, this movie is like, you know, like, we've done enough world building, we're doing universe building. So, and it's kind of like, if you know a movie like this, it's kind of like all bets are off to what you can do. Like, you can do you can spread it out almost any like if you have a good director and the money behind it, you can go almost any direction. And it's kinda of like, you know, like basically like, you know, the, the gloves came off. We don't have to worry about saving the world or anything like that or stuff. Because it's one like the two best Marvel movies people argue have been this one and Winter Soldier. And they are com- two completely different movies and they're awesome for it. Like Winter Soldier was good because it's like Besides, you know, the CGI fight at the end that you complain about, it was like a grounded, like, spy political movie mm-hmm. that just happened to have superheroes. Like, it made yeah, which is what be. Captain America should be. Yeah. yeah, like, this isn't a superhero movie. This is just a movie with Captain America. You know, it's kind of like you're not going to see Robert Redford running around throwing jump kicks. <laughs> and for it to stay grounded, which is awesome. This one was just, you know, and it's funny that Marvel is owned by Disney and they're about to do Star Wars because it's kind of like, this is how this reminded me of Star Wars. I kept thinking like James Gunn did. James Gunn avoided the mistakes like Zack Snyder and a lot of people make. Like they're too serious. Like they are fans of movies, but they're too serious. Mm-hmm. And that was my biggest issue with like you know a lot of these movies. Like I know you gotta make it like big stakes and like that, but you gotta have some fun. If it's in, like the Star Wars movies were fun. That's what people tend to figure. Like the first three, you know, even Empire Strikes Back, as, as you know, Dark the Was, it still had fun parts, it still had jokes, and it still had humor. Mm-hmm. Like now, it's kind of like, you know, everything's serious, and then the jokes just come off like six-year-olds. Like it's just corny. And it kind of raised the bar where, you know, people kind of excited about Star Wars because it's kind of like, you know, they putting their money behind it, and they getting George Lucas away from it. But it's like... I would have never thought that I'd be comparing Guardians of the Galaxy to a Star Wars movie, but now that's exactly what I'm doing. Like I just that's it remind me of a Star Wars movie. Like it had the story, it had the characters, it didn't waste time with origin anything like that. They just threw them in there, and you watched and you enjoyed it. And like I'm I'm looking forward. To, I'm gonna go see it again. 
So uh, I got to take her to see anything on middle. So well, all right. I'm just try, trying to wrap it up. You brought up a good point about the Marvel and Disney and Star Wars thing. Well, I'm always down for a good space movie, even if it's a low budget one. As long as it's like you know interesting, that sort of thing, I'm always down for it. So that's what I thought the whole time I was watching this, and this is why I actually enjoyed Thor more than or Thor: The Dark World than I did Thor, because you got to spend time in all the different realms. I would enjoy that part, just to create something different. So I'm watching Guardians of the Galaxy thinking, wow, this is this is a good space drama, you know, or space epic, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm having a real good time. And afterwards, I'm like, you know, we've got a new Star Wars now. Like, we've got something. And, you know, people disagree. Like, Star Wars was a classic. Well, go back and watch Star Wars. Luke's a pain to get through. Watching Luke Skywalker is just awful. He's a whiny kid. And then oh, this, but you don't I, want I, to get the converters? Yeah, I agree 100%. It's that whole nostalgia thing. Like, yeah. All the complaints people make about the last three Star Wars, I'm like, those first, like, the second one I had no problems with. The first one and the last one kind of like, it, it has its parts where it's like, ugh. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, so yeah, so I don't buy into that. Um, but so I was thinking, you know, they can do a lot with this now. And I don't I don't know much about Marvel space characters, and I know their rights are really a mess because uh, I don't think they can bring in – they can't bring in the Skrulls, and they can't bring in uh, Silver Surfer. Um, I thought they got that back cause with the Fantastic Four. No, the Fantastic no, Four is uh, with Sony. No, Fantastic Four is still owned by yeah, – they're still owned by – is it Sony or Fox? One yeah, of the five. So, so I would just say that, like, from the whole Marvel space, it's kind of like, from what I remember, it was kind of like those those are those artists and authors were like on the best ass and cocaine that guy ever created because that stuff is out there, and if they want to, like, they would make stuff that would seem like Rocket Raccoon screen tame. Yeah. So you can I mean, even go like the whole. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I was trying to think of some of the other space people. Well, like even Star Jammers, that's going to be Fox, right? Because that's that's X Men. Yeah, I mean, like uh, they brought up the Cree, so which surprised me. <laughs> it was the 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 Swirl Cree War. That was Fantastic Four, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that was like Fantastic Four slash Avengers slash everything. I mean, you can bring up the Beyonder if you want to if you want to go that far. Oh God, I mean, it's a lot of oh no. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of different fashion. Yeah, but it's kind of like, I know Marvel, I know they did what they had to do, like, to get off the ground. But I know they're kind of kicking themselves in the foot, wishing they had certain, you know, properties they could use. And I think, like, oh, the yeah. space one, I, and I think especially X-Men, as much as, you know, I don't I don't hate on the, the Fox X-Men movies like a lot of people do, but I would just love to see, you know, how the X-Men would be with, you know, the Marvel machine behind it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That, the action movies would never end. You could do three of those a year for 30 years. So, I... Yeah. I'm I got to say, in the one we talked about before when people were saying, you know, do you feel like the comic book movie is going to jump the shark? Is it going to be too much? I'm like, they're good. I'm like, if you give them a good story, people are going to watch. And that's the difference between, like, Marvel and DC. It's like, DC kind of, like, this whole... I'm looking forward to seeing this Batman, Superman stuff, but it's like they force feed in it. Yes. Like, we want to yeah. be like Marvel, so we throwing everything in there, and we got to make it work. And, yeah. like, you only did that because we can say, like, you only did that because you didn't make a certain amount of money doing Man of Steel, so it's like we're going to throw the entire kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if it don't work, then what you going to do? Yeah. Well, we'll save that for next time. Because <laughs> uh, I don't disagree with you on that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Going back to how the end point was, there's nothing to go from on this other than another Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So I thought that was a ballsy move. Um, you know, we've got our new Star Wars now, and I don't know why. It'll be interesting to see. That's the next. That's the next Christmas, right? For the next Star Wars movie. Yeah, they moved yeah. it to yep next Christmas. Next year is going to be a very busy year movie. Yes. So, I'm just. Surprised 
and I there's nothing that leads into Marvel's Wave Three. Is this Wave Three coming up? Yeah, after the yeah. Avengers, it'll be Phase Three. Yeah, so. there's nothing coming from those. So I thought that was pretty pretty weird. But I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see. it's kind of like you know, the only way they could have really I guess you could tie it into Thor, but it's. That story's out there, like, you couldn't tie it to, like, Iron Man or Captain America. No. Most of their stories are kind of like Earth. I guess you could even do Thor, or if they do Hulk and just decide to take Hulk in space, you can go that route. Because that's kind of like a wild card. Like, you know, they're still trying to do, like, a, a great Hulk movie. And, like, well, that's it's supposedly doable, what but, happens, but, yeah. We'll I mean, it's we'll doable, but it's kind of like you got to, that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. All right. I think we've exhausted it for the most part. So uh, let's get out of here, and hopefully next next show it'll be on my brand-new rebuilt laptop just to park that the backup disc comes in in time. And then I can complain about that for 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, follow us on Stunt Granny, uh, all social media. I'm Granny Maze on all social media. Um, email us, stuntgranny.gmail.com. Um, you can follow Sippy Time Beer on Twitter and Instagram now. Um, and it's something new, which Kevin and I will bring up later, but whatever. So I'm going to go because I haven't eaten and I got my DDP yoga to do. Wrestling talk. So uh, I'm going to get out of here. I'll let you take us out. And uh, everyone have a good night, all right? For Jerry Mays, I'm Shahid Abdul Hadi. Metaphors will not kill you. Have a good night. <laughs>